A Son of the Gods by Ambrose Bierce. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dale Grothman. A Son of the Gods by Ambrose Bierce. A breezy day and a sunny landscape. An open country to the right and left and forward. Behind, a wood. In the edge of this wood, facing the open, but not venturing into it, long lines of troops halted. The wood was alive with them, and full of confused noises. The occasional rattle of wheels as a battery of artillery goes into position to cover the advance. The hum and murmur of the soldiers talking. A sound of innumerable feet in the dry leaves that strew the interspaces among the trees. Horse commands of officers. Detached groups of horsemen are well in front, not altogether exposed, many of them regarding the crest of the hill a mile away in the direction of uninterrupted advance. For this powerful army, moving in battle order through the forest, has met with a formidable obstacle, the open country. The crest of that gentle hill a mile away has a sinister look. It says, Beware. Along it runs a stone wall, extending to the left and right a great distance. Behind the wall is a hedge. Behind the hedge are seen the tops of trees, in rather straggling order. Among the trees, what? It is necessary to know. Yesterday, and for many days and nights previously, we were fighting somewhere. Always there was cannonading, with occasional keen rattlings of musketry, mingled with cheers, our own or the enemy's. We seldom knew, attesting to some temporary advantage. This morning at daybreak the enemy was gone. We have moved forward across his earthworks, across which we have so often vainly attempted to move before through the debris of his abandoned camps, among the graves of his fallen, into the woods beyond. How curiously we regarded everything! How odd it all seemed! Nothing appeared quite familiar. The most commonplace objects, an old saddle, a splintered wheel, a forgotten canteen, everything related something of the mysterious personalities of those strange men who had been killing us. The soldier never becomes wholly familiar with the conception of his foes as men like himself. He cannot divest himself of the feeling that they are another order of beings, differently conditioned, in an environment not altogether of the earth. The smallest vestiges of them rivet his attention and engage his interest. He thinks of them as inaccessible and, catching an unexpected glimpse of them, they appear further away, and therefore larger, than they really are, like objects in a fog. He is somewhat in awe of them. From the edge of the wood leading up to the acclivity are the tracks of horses and wheels, the wheels of cannon. The yellow grass is beaten down by the feet of infantry. Clearly, they have passed this way in thousands. They have not withdrawn by the country roads. This is significant. It is a difference between retiring and retreating. That group of horsemen is our commander, 
his staff and escort he is facing the distant crest holding his field glasses against his eyes with both hands his elbows needlessly elevated it is a fashion it seems to dignify the act we are all addicted to it suddenly he lowers the glass and says a few words to those about him two or three aides detach themselves from the group and canter away into the woods along the lines in each direction we did not hear his words but we knew them tell general x to send forward the skirmish line those of us who have been out of place resume our positions the men resting at ease straighten themselves the ranks are reformed without a command some of us staff officers dismount and look at our saddle girths those already on the ground remount galloping rapidly along the edge of the open ground comes a young officer on a snow-white horse his saddle blanket is scarlet what a fool no one who has ever been in battle but remembers how naturally each rifle turns toward a man on a white horse no one but has observed how a bit of red enrages the bull of battle that such colors are fashionable in military life must be accepted as the most astonishing of all the phenomenon of human vanity they would seem to have been devised to increase the death rate this young officer is in full uniform as if on parade he is all agleam with bullion a blue and gold edition of the poetry of war a wave of derisive laughter runs abreast of him all along the line but how handsome he is with what careless grace he sits his horse he reins up within a respectable distance of the corps commander and salutes the old soldier nods familiarly he evidently knows him a brief colloquy between them is going on the young man seems to be preferring some request which the elder one is indisposed to grant let us ride a little nearer ah too late it is ended the young officer salutes again wheels his horse and rides straight toward the crest of the hill he is deadly pale a thin line of skirmishers the men deployed at six paces or so apart now pushes from the wood into the open the commander speaks to his bugler who claps his instrument to his lips tra-la-la tra-la-la the skirmishers halt in their tracks meantime the young horseman has advanced a hundred yards he is riding at a walk straight up the long slope with never a turn of head how glorious gods what would we not give to be in his place with his soul he does not draw his saber his right hand hangs easily at his side the breeze catches the plume of his hat and flutters it smartly the sunshine rests on his shoulder straps lovely like a visible benediction straight on he rides ten thousand pairs of eyes are fixed upon him with the intensity that he can hardly fail to feel ten thousand hearts keep quick time to the inaudible hoofbeats of his snowy steed he is not alone he draws all souls after him we are but dead men all but we remember that we laughed on and on straight for the hedge-lined wall he rides not a look backward oh if he would but turn if he could see the love the adoration the atonement 
not a word is spoken the populous depths of the forest still murmur with their unseen and unseeing swarm but all along the fringe there is silence absolute the burly commander is an equestrian statue of himself the mounted staff officers their field glasses up are motionless all the line of battle in the edge of the wood stands at a new kind of attention each man in the attitude in which he was caught by the consciousness of what is going on all these hardened and impenitent man-killers to whom death in its awfulest form is a fact familiar to their everyday observation who sleep on hills trembling with the thunder of great guns dine in the midst of streaming missiles and play at cards among the dead faces of their dearest friends all are watching with suspended breath and beating hearts the outcome of an act involving the life of one man such is the magnetism of courage and devotion if now you should turn your head you would see a simultaneous movement among the spectators a start as if they had received an electric shock and looking forward again to the now distant horseman you would see that he has in that instant altered his direction and is riding at an angle to his former course the spectators suppose the sudden deflection to be caused by a shot perhaps a wound but take this field glass and you will observe that he is riding toward a break in the wall and hedge he means if not killed to ride through and overlook the country beyond you are not to forget the nature of this man's act it is not permitted to you to think of it as an instance of bravado nor on the other hand a needless sacrifice of self if the enemy has not retreated he is in force on that ridge the investigator will encounter nothing less than a line of battle there is no need for pickets vidits skirmishers to give warning of our approach our attacking lines will be visible conspicuous exposed to an artillery fire that will shave the ground the moment they break from cover and for half the distance to a sheet of rifle bullets in which nothing can live in short if the enemy is there it would be madness to attack him in front he must be maneuvered out by the immemorial plan of threatening his line of communication as necessary to his existence as to the diver at the bottom of the sea his air tube but how to ascertain if the enemy is there there is but one way somebody must go and see the natural and customary thing to do is to send forward a line of skirmishers but in this case they will answer in the affirmative with all their lives the enemy crouching in double ranks behind the stone wall and in cover of the hedge will wait until it's possible to count each assailant's teeth at the first volley a half of the questioning line will fall and the other half before it can accomplish the predestined retreat what a price to pay for gratified curiosity at what a dear rate an army must sometimes purchase knowledge let me pay all said this gallant man this military christ there is no hope except the hope against hope that the crest is clear true he might prefer capture to death so long as he advances the line will not fire why should it he can safely ride into the hostile ranks and become a prisoner of war but this would defeat his object it would not answer our questions it is necessary either that he return unharmed 
or be shot to death before our eyes only so shall we know how to act if captured why that might have been done by half a dozen stragglers now begins the extraordinary contest of intellect between a man and an army our horseman now within a quarter of a mile of the crest suddenly wheels to the left and gallops in a direction parallel to it he has caught sight of his antagonist he knows all some slight advantage of ground has enabled him to overlook a part of the line if he were here he would tell us in words but that was now hopeless he must make the best use of the few minutes of life remaining to him by compelling the enemy himself to tell us as much and as plainly as possible which naturally that discreet power is reluctant to do not a rifleman in those crouching ranks not a cannoneer at those masked and shotted guns but knows the needs of the situation the imperative duty of forbearance besides there has been time enough to forbid them all to fire true a single rifle shot might drop him and be no great disclosure but firing is infectious and see how rapidly he moves with never a pause except as he whirls his horse about to take a new direction never directly backward toward us never directly forward toward his executioners all this is visible through the glass it seems occurring within pistol shot we see all but the enemy whose presence whose thoughts whose motives we infer to the unaided eye there is nothing but the black figure on the white horse tracing slow zigzags across the slope of the distant hill so slowly they seem almost to creep now the glass again he has tired of his failure and sees his error and has gone mad he is dashing directly toward the wall as if to take it at a leap hedge and all one moment only and he wheels right about and is speeding like the wind straight down the slope towards his friends towards his death instantly the wall is topped with a fierce roll of smoke for a distance of a hundred yards or so right and left this is instantly dissipated by the wind and before the rattle of rifles reaches us he is down no he recovers his seat he has but pulled his horse upon its haunches they are up and away a tremendous cheer burst from our ranks relieving the unsupportable tension of our feelings and the horse and its rider yes they are up and away away again away indeed they are making directly to our left parallel to the now steadily blazing and smoking wall the rattle of musketry is continuous and every bullet's target is that courageous heart suddenly a great bank of white smoke pushes upward from behind the wall another and another a dozen roll up before the thunder of the explosions and the humming of the missiles reach our ears and the missiles themselves come bounding through the clouds of dust into our covert knocking over here and there a man and causing a temporary distraction a passing thought of self the dust drifts away incredible that enchanted horse and rider have passed a ravine and are climbing another slope to unveil another conspiracy of silence to thwart the will of another armed host another moment and the crest too is in eruption the horse rears and strikes the air with its forefeet they are down at last 
but look again the man has detached himself from the dead animal he stands erect motionless holding his saber in his right hand straight above his head his face is toward us now he lowers his hand to a level with his face and moves it outward the blade of the saber describing a downward curve it is a sign to us to the world to posterity it is a hero's salute to death and history again the spell is broken our men attempt to cheer they are choked with emotion they utter hoarse discordant cries they clutch their weapons and press tumultuously forward into the open the skirmishers without orders against orders are going forward at a keen run like hounds unleashed our cannons speak and the enemies now open a full chorus to left and right as far as we can see the distant crest seeming now so near erects its tower of clouds and the great shot pitch roaring down among our moving masses flag after flag of ours emerges from the woods line after line sweeps forth catching the sunlight on its burnished arms the rear battalions alone are in obedience they preserve their proper distance from the insurgent front the commander has not moved he now removes his field glasses from his eyes and glances to the right and left he sees the human current flowing on either side of him and his huddled escort like tide waves parted by a rock not a sign of feeling in his face he is thinking again he directs his eyes forward they slowly traverse the malign and awful crest he addresses a calm word to his bugler tra-la-la tra-la-la the injunction has an imperiousness which enforces it it is repeated by all the buglers of all the subordinate commanders the sharp metallic notes assert themselves above the hum of the advance and penetrate the sound of the cannon to halt is to withdraw the colors are moving slowly back the lines face about and sullenly follow bearing their wounded the skirmishers return gathering up the dead ah those many many needless dead that great soul whose beautiful body is lying over yonder so conspicuous against the sere hillside could not it have been spared the bitter consciousness of a vain devotion would one exception have marred too much the pitiless perfection of the divine eternal plan the end of a son of the gods by ambrose bierce